This is Michael Easley in Context. For more information, go to michaelincontext.com. And now your host, Dr. Michael Easley. You've been listening to Kurt Heineke. Kurt is, well, Kurt, I don't know how in the world to distill down all the things you have done. Kurt is probably best known for his award-winning work with Big Idea and VeggieTales as their director of music for 20 years? Mm-hmm. How old are you, Kurt? No, don't <laughs> 21. <laughs> You've got an incredibly diverse background from songwriting, performances, scoring, music production, and I've sat in a room where you've played probably five different instruments in one setting. How in the world did all this start? <laughs> well, I am very thankful to come from a musical family. I was, in fact, just visiting my dad. I just got back last night. He lives down in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, my dad was a cello player. He, in World War II, was in the occupation forces in Japan and played in an orchestra that was comprised of half GIs from America and half Japanese people. Wow. And he met my mom in college, and uh, she is a, uh, she was, she passed away this past January. She was a choir director, a, a vocal teacher, a piano teacher, a uh, music teacher. And my two older brothers are musicians also. So I've just grown up around it and just literally, I mean, I sat in the choir loft next to my dad, learned how to sing bass. Did you always like it? You know, it was one. I remember as a kid wishing that I didn't have to go to all these concerts. Yeah, you know, because they can be a little stuffy at times. But it's one of those things that just teaches you discipline. And I, I learned so much that you go back and you look back. You go, okay, I'm glad I did those things. Interesting. We had a music teacher for all of our kids at different times, and one had this theory: you had to get them through junior high and high school playing something they liked. <laughs> if you wanted it to stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've you've seen my boys play. My boys play violin. And, uh, you know, they started when they were four and six. And almost on the flip side of that, it's like, for them, it was almost getting them started before they knew that this is difficult. Any different. You know, and it just became part of their daily life. Do they love it? I would say they enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh-huh. Now, we've, they've had a lot of opportunities. We're going to Europe next year with the yeah. studio. Yeah. And they are excited about that. And they are now really starting to see the benefits of practicing every day. Um, I mean, there's been plenty of times where you have to bribe them. <laughs> and uh, granted, teachers out there. That's good for parents there, to hear that. No, well, good. Te- I'm, I'm a, I've got a music education degree, and I'm a firm believer if, if you have to bribe them with you know, some candy just to get them through that day, I'll do it. Sugar-free candy, right? <laughs> Gluten-free candy. Kurt has been the creator of sound that has defined the world-famous VeggieTales and 321 Penguins video series. As part of your songwriting, co-writing, scoring, and arranged performing, over 35 videos, probably in growing now. Oh, yeah, I've lost count. Um, over 5 million CDs, 55 million-plus videos, six Dove Awards for your music production, multiple gold and platinum CDs, uh, 2004 Chicago International Children's Film Festival, on and on it goes. Um, as you look back on it, 
what were some highlights? Hmm, highlights. You know, I, I started 20 years ago with the guys. Uh, we started in a church in Chicago. I was the director of music at a church, and Bob and Larry and Junior Asparagus sang with our worship team. <laughs> and they had this crazy idea of, you know, animated vegetables telling Bible stories, and they didn't have the budget to, oh, let's go hire a big-name guy down in Nashville. Hey, Kurt, would you enjoy helping us out? And I said, this this sounds intriguing enough that, yes, I would like to help you out. And uh, so it started from there. I played tuba on the, on the very first theme song, um, and it just grew from there. So, gosh, th- some of those early days before things really took off, we didn't know what we had on our hands mm-hmm. yet. And to see some of those, I mean, I can remember we, we had sold maybe 500,000 videos, and looking toward that million mark was just I mean, to be involved in something that's going to sell a million things Crazy. was just, you know, those sorts of things you don't yeah. you don't imagine happening as a former band director. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, grown from there. Uh, lots and lots of great memories like that. When you see uh, the, the music industry from uh, a lens as a believer in Christ, um, how do you start integrating your faith? Now, obviously, when you're doing children's videos or things that are targeted to an age group that are patently Christian. We're trying to help these kids know who God is, that he loves them, that you're special, those type of things. Um, but when you move beyond that, because you know a lot of people are going to be hearing things you've produced or had your fingerprints on, how does Kurt Heineke's faith in Christ enter into that? Good question. Uh, I think initially, now my background, uh, my family is Lutheran background, and not that that's going to put any labels on this. My parents were very humble, very, uh, sub- how would I say it? I don't want to say subdued in their faith. They lived their faith very strongly. But it wasn't a, hey, let me talk to you about my faith. It's let me demonstrate my faith. Let me help you with something. Let me serve you. Uh, my dad has been a stroke survivor for 20 years. And so mm-hmm. 19 of those years, my mom served him. And just to see that day in, day out example of Christ's love affects me. And I think when I go into a new situation, I think, you know, the first impression I want to make is I'm a a, a reliable person, a trustworthy person, somebody that you can look to for help. Um, What I have created musically, I want to do the best that I can all the time uh, because I think all of those are a reflection of who I am and at the root of that is, as a Christian, um, how am I projecting myself out there? And then as I get to know that person better, um, as there's a respect built up, because I hopefully they respect what I've done, then I feel like I've got more, more accessibility to them to be able to then talk about who I am and why is it that I live this life? Why do I do these things and how Christ plays a role in my life in all of that? Have you had some defining moments when you're producing something alone in front of this video footage that you're trying to write a score for or to emphasize? Have you had some moments where it was just like, that's a God thing? Mm. I mean, that's really good. There are many times, and I've heard other artists talk about this, it can be intimidating to look at the proverbial blank page. For me, it's a blank computer screen with no notes on it yet. And I know that I have to write music for this you know, big scene, that can be intimidating. And that's myself talking. And I, I can get panicked at the beginning of a project, always wondering, am I going to make it this time? 
Um, it's usually towards the end of a project after I've layered part upon part upon part that it starts coming together and starts feeling like, okay, I'm really adding something to this scene. And I, I've been doing a lot of work with a, a new project now put out by CBN called Superbook. And there's a lot of very powerful scenes as we go through the whole Old Testament and New Testament stories. And, you know, the crucifixion story as I'm I'm writing the score. Is, How do you start doing that? I mean, it's got to be overwhelming. How are you going to write a score for the crucifixion? You're telling sakes? me. Yeah. I mean, how do you... Well, it does help. You know, here's a little behind-the-scenes secret. Um, virtually any movie that you've seen in Hollywood, they'll start with some sort of temp score. The The directors will drop in, you know, some music from, it could be anything. It could be Star Wars. It could be you name it. But it has a, a style and a pacing of something that says, okay, we like this energy that this brings to this scene. So at least I have, I, I hear them say, oh, okay, that's where... That's what they're hearing in their head, so it gives me a sense of tempo, uh, what type of orchestra, and then of, of course from there I've got to start writing my, all my own stuff. But um, you know, usually it, it can start with just a simple basic melody, and we're we're just we're looking at what's what's the basic emotion of this scene? Is it triumphant? Is it sadness? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything comes down to emotion. So, is it triumphant? Okay, I'm going to pick up my trumpet and play a triumphant fanfare. If it's very sad, I'm going to pick up my Irish whistle and play something Mm -hmm. very melancholy. Mm -hmm. If I can find a melody that that floats through there, now the rest of it, I just start building up the whole orchestra around that. And I've got, you know, a large library of of, uh, electronic samples and, and sounds that can create the orchestra, but I've also got a room full of instruments that I play live, all of the brass instruments, Irish whistles, recorders, percussion. And if I can pick up one of those live instruments, uh, the tuba on the theme song, you know, VeggieTales, if I can pick up that one live instrument and add that to the mix, it just brings everything to life. Psalm 150 is a psalm most of us know pretty well. Every line of the stanza begins with praise, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. And then the list of instruments. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Interesting, the mm-hmm. Hebrew there emphasizing not just a, a little a loud cymbal. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord praise the Lord. And it's an inclusio. The psalm begins and ends with the emphasis. Everything is praising God. Interesting that David ended the song book with that reminder. I don't take it for granted that I get to create music. I think it's a a huge blessing to be able to do that. Like I said, I was just visiting with my dad and I got to play in church on Sunday. I had my trumpet and my Irish whistle along and, and then I played at the facility that he lives at now and played for their little non-denominational mm-hmm. service. I just love just being involved in music. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, before I did Veggie Tales, I was a music teacher. I was a band director. As a church music director, I was a touring musician. I, I never set out to be a, you know, compose music for talking vegetables. <laughs> it's just the, the way the doors opened. And I'm so thankful for that, that mm-hmm. I can use my gifts and talents to to reach kids and adults everywhere. I mean, that's that's the joy of it is when I talk to kids, well, usually it's college kids now, 
you know, I spoke at a college last year and, you know, student after student came up and said, oh, I grew up on your stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and beyond that, the fact that we will have music in heaven um, is just such an honor that, you know, if I'm a football player, I'm not going to, you know, get to take that with me to heaven. But now, wait, some teams might uh, <laughs> might argue with Uh-oh. you on that. <laughs> is there a scripture I don't know I about? I don't know. <laughs> um, but just the fact that music is honored in the Bible over mm-hmm. and over, and it's something that you know is used to praise God, not only here but in heaven, is you know um, amazing that we get to. I feel like at times there's just a little glimpse of heaven in what what I get to do here. Sure. And share with other people. That's, you know, that's the other thing. That's the bottom line. It's like, I, I don't get much joy in just playing music for myself. It's when I know that it's enhancing a story or if it's an enhancing a service or if I'm bringing joy to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where the beauty is. Mm-hmm. When you look at your education, your background, and now your opportunities to share with whether it's college kids or whomever, how do you tell them about what you're doing? There's been a couple of key things that I've, in looking back, I wouldn't have anticipated this from the beginning, but now that I can look back on this, I don't know how long I've been doing this now, 30, 35 years, um, there's a couple of things that have congealed for me that are important. When I've talked to people, I talk about the three C's because I thought, oh, I can remember that and it sounds like I know what I'm doing. There you go. <laughs> but the, the three C's for me are um, craft, your character, and your connections. You've got to have some of all three of those, I believe, to be successful, uh, not only in music, but in whatever you want to do, uh, your craft. You have to be excellent at what you do. If you want to you know, be involved at the top of your game and doing whatever it is that you do, you've got to have that down. Uh, everything else that I do assumes that I'm going to do my best in any job that I'm given the opportunity to do. As, as a musician growing up, I took every opportunity to play every kind of music. If the door opened, I'd take it because... Mm. I don't know what the Lord has in in mind for my future, but he does. And so I want to get as many opportunities as I can so that when that door opens, I'm ready to go through that right. door. Uh, so the craft, what you do, what your trade is, is very important. Kurt, that really applies to anyone. Mm-hmm. you you mm-hmm. got to do your thing that you think you're wired to. How often uh, a friend of mine who's a very pr- prolific author, he's written 260 books and counting, and people come in, how do you get all these books published? He goes, you write every day. <laughs> you write every day. You yeah. write the deadline. And you're saying the same thing. <laughs> Deadlines make, it's it's amazing how well you can uh, compose when there's a deadline <laughs> looming over you. Because uh, I waste a lot of time if I if that deadline's off over the horizon. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, craft, very important. Uh, character is the second C. Uh, for me as a Christian, that's all that's about. I mean, my character comes from my relationship with Christ and wanting to exhibit that and wanting to live by those principles, uh, doing a good job, being humble, uh, honoring God in what I do. But even if you're not a Christian, I think you've got to have good character. Uh, you know, because when I work with somebody and I come back, I've worked with people and a dozen years later, I'll bump into somebody again and they'll remember me and man, I really enjoyed this and that. Um, and I see it I'm backing up here, but I see it in in my parents, you know, uh, lifelong Christians, and I see how they re- they interact with people that they've known for decades, and that's something that you can't. I, I think of uh, politicians where they're they're acting an act because they know somebody's watching. 
well, character you can't act because those people are going to remember the, the things that you did when you weren't on camera. Right. And um, so having that character that people know, okay, this is a good person. I can trust him. I know he's going to do a good job. Um, yeah, that's the second C that I think is very important um, and only helps as being a Christian because that's that's built into living my life for Christ. And then the third C is something that I don't think as many uh, college professors talk about, but it's connections. Uh, it's just, when you think about it, it just makes sense. If two people are equally, uh, have the equal, equal resumes for a certain job, the person that already knows the interviewee is going to get the job mm-hmm. because they already know the background. They already know the character, these sorts of things. Um, so connections are very, very important, especially for somebody like myself who's a freelance composer, freelance musician. I'm not sure where that next job is coming from. And so, you know, I'm always connecting with people. I, you know, was walking around this office today and I gave my business card to somebody. I don't just pass them out, just right. throwing them out. Right. But somebody that I had, again, I know from a couple of years ago, we were like, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing here? Struck up a conversation, right. just gave him a business card, said, hey, by the way, if you need any photography over here, because I do that on the side too, um, you know, give me a shout. So uh, those connections are vastly important. And with that comes just being able to interact with people, you know, not being a, a weirdo and somebody that's, you know, uncomfortable with being around other people and getting beyond just talking about your job, you know, even if you are at the workplace, but being able to just, how's your family? How's your favorite sports team? How's mm-hmm. the, whatever that is, those connections of, of uh, just being able to talk to other people. It's very important. Your craft, your character, and your connections. That's that's pretty good stuff. I might write a book That'll someday. Preach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell the story. Well, you brought a couple of things with you today in studio. One of them's really large and one of them's really small. Yeah, I, I could only bring a couple, uh, but you had asked to, yeah, bring a few examples over. So maybe I'll start with the goofy large one first. Sure. Okay, so first, very excited about this tuba. Yeah, tell me about this tuba. This thing's got some patina on it, baby. (laughs) That's been around a while. This is an old tuba. I picked it up on eBay. Get out. I found a guy on eBay, and I was passing through Indianapolis, and we met at a Starbucks. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for a guy with a tuba. This is like cliche. eBay, Starbucks, Craigslist. Okay, it gets better. (laughs) The guy next to us was on a motorcycle, and he had a, a set of bagpipes with him. No. Yeah. And so I tried the tuba out in the Starbucks parking lot with the bagpipe player. I love it. And so now you've um, tricked this thing out. I've tricked it. Yeah, out. we're, we're yeah. going to put some pictures up on the web. But you tricked this thing out with some. You know what? I just get unusual. Uh, th- these are not customized um, I'm, enhancements. I'm these fascinated are fascinated with like the one man band sort of concept. You're getting pretty close there. Well, <laughs> my wife gets a little embarrassed when I walk around. You know, bringing this into the office today, I was like, okay, this is a little awkward. I love it. So we got the tuba here, which uh, you might recognize these couple notes from a certain cucumber that played them. If you like to talk to tomatoes, you know the rest of it. (laughs) Um, We'll do a little medley here. Uh, Here's uh, Pirates. Followed by... (laughs) Followed by. (laughs) 
But then I've I've uh, souped it up with, I've got a, a washboard on the back here. And I figured out that actually a pet hairbrush works best to play that. So we've got the... And then I've got a couple little doodads here. So that's my tuba. But then my main instrument in college was trumpet. Um, just brought that along Now that's here. a pretty little instrument you have. You know what? This I, this is a beautiful instrument. I uh, bought it from a, a family. The, the gentleman had passed away, and he was a collector of trumpets, and he was a friend of my brother's. And so this actually has some real nice meaning to it, and he sort of handpicked this out. So it's very special for it's me. I just, just played it in church on Sunday, and yeah, very nice. Make it look easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's all those years of practice. <laughs> and then on my my tuba, I've actually got velcroed to it is a little penny whistle. I mean, these you know these are the ones that cost six bucks in the toy store now, but uh, you can do quite a bit with them. Uh, but then they've uh, invented a, a bigger Irish whistle. It's a, a low whistle, and it's literally twice as big, and um, these are the ones you might have heard on the Titanic soundtrack. Okay. It's got that ethereal sound. So, yeah, I remember uh, the first time I brought the tuba into the studio 20 years ago to play that the theme song and phil it, it was a late at night it it was our um we used to uh, the, the first office was a screw factory office and they had a vault in the back and that was our sound booth so we've got mattresses and blankets and i come in with a tuba into this vault and uh mike and or no it was phil and lisa that night i think phil being phil bob, Fisher. yeah bob the tomato and lisa being junior asparagus his wife you know, and we were just cracking up because, you know, at that point, we're like, well, we're just, what are we going to do? Well, let's make a polka. And, you know, when they said, hey, we want the theme song to sound like a polka, I thought, that's great because I actually directed a German band in high school and I was just geeky enough to be a fan of polka. So I'm like, I can do that. And it just kind of started from there. I think that's been the fun of, of for me, for VeggieTales, is it's, I've never considered it as I'm writing kids' music. It's like, I'm writing legitimate music that just happens to have a singing cucumber singing obnoxious mm. lyrics over the top. <laughs> so we've got polkas, we've got tangos, we've got all these different styles of music that I get to write and play and, and research how they sound legitimately. And, you know, and then some of these, yeah, I know Veggies is, is goofy, but, you know, there's some real poignant moments sure. too and be able to write, write for those. And now writing for Superbook also... There's a lot of heavy writing there because there's a, I mean, they are really digging into these Old Testament stories and mm -hmm. telling them like they're written. And, uh, and it's, you know, a lot of heavy writing that's very powerful. Kurt Heineke, it's been fun having you. If someone wanted to find out more about you, where could they do that? Uh, they can check out my website, www.khstudios.biz. B I Z. Khstudios.biz. Yes. All right. Kurt, thanks so much for being in the studio. It's been fun seeing all your toys, and we'll put the pictures up on the website as well. And 
Thanks, my friend. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks. These stories take months to put together. And usually it's actually at the very end that I get the story because they have to have everything timed out. They have to have all the dialogue recorded. And they have to have the foundation of all the animation done so that I can see the movements and see the action and see the points that are hitting. And I have to hit that moment exactly right with a big hit of music, big crashes and drums and that sort of thing. Again, thanks for listening to the broadcast. If you go to michaelincontext.com, michaelincontext.com, you can find the link to that video where Kurt tells the story of how he writes and how he produces. Thanks for joining us. This is Michael Easley in Context. <laughs>